how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're bottom. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. From an early age, April Mullen was obsessed with the idea of storytelling. Originally an actress in movies like 88 and A History of Violence, she soon realized her state of mind was better in the director's chair. For her latest film, Wander, she's crafting a story about a man hired to probe about a suspicious death in the small town of Wander. The conspiracy film stars Aaron Eckhart and Tommy Lee Jones. In this interview, Mullen discusses the instincts as a director, how to collaborate with actors from the point of view of a former actor, how to decipher character moments for a film, and how she comes up with her shot list based on both theme and location. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button, visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews at writerfieldnotes.com. I think it was, I was cursed before I could even walk. So to speak, I started creating, like my parents would say when I was five years old, putting together like kids, you know, in our backyard and putting on costumes and make-believe and Paul Simon was in the background and I would be like, go! And then we would invite, you know, all the parents from the block to come and watch these shows. They must've had so much patience. I don't know if they were, you know, award-winning shows, but I think it started at a very, very young age. And I, I went into the industry as an actress, but then quickly changed to directing. And then when I started directing, I was like, oh, this is what I was supposed to be. You know, it just kind of was so much more the right fit for my brain and my imagination and uh, what my gifts were, you know, uh, just made so much more sense. But it, it happened very young, very, very young. <laughs> and then out of, um, out of school, I started my own production company very young as well. And uh, my producing partner, Tim Dorn and I, writing partner as well, started making independent films 15 years ago. So I was directing those right from the get-go. So they started with like micro budget, you know, $40,000 mock doc about rock, paper, scissors and the world championships. And they sort of grew from there. So over the years, I think we've done seven films 
Wander being our most recent, but we've always wanted to create our own work and we were really adamant about that. And I wanted to direct right from the get go too. So we jumped full feet into movie making um, and learned every single you know facet of what that involves and and producing as well because we had to because we wanted to make make films so we we were forced to produce as well which both of us are like oh this producer had is damn heavy i would love to get rid of this guy but um that's where we sort of birthed from what are some of the benefits of like being an, an actress and then kind of stepping into directing like i know a lot of directors if they want to direct first they, they only have kind of a maybe a limited perspective versus where you might see a, a lot of different ways to do things. Are there any like stories that come to mind or kind of lessons learned that you now implement in your, in your own directing? Huge. I think coming at it, you know, from an actor's perspective, I went to theater school, really intense training for five years. So my tool belt um, of communication to be able to approach an actor and everybody's you know has different approaches and different methods and different personalities to be able to feel very confident it's my most comfortable place to be is working with an actor intimately and and really pulling a, a strong performance out of them or letting them go or pushing them to be more free or challenging them and pushing them you know harder than they ever dreamt possible all of those things that i it's almost instinctual i don't think about it it's all very much from an instinct and I feel very blessed that that was sort of my training because tech my technical skills I was able to learn in a book and through you know observation and being on set and the technical skills uh, can be learned that way but I feel like acting you really have to go through the process and be vulnerable and put yourself out there as an actor to really feel what that kind of uh, thin lens and exposing yourself in that manner what that can do to a person and and approach them with compassion and grace and uh always be grateful for what they're bringing to the table because it's a lot more than i think most people would ever um you know assume what advice might you have for some directors for maybe those first few conversations with their lead actor like do you talk about character do you purposely step back and let and see what their point of view is first like what are some of maybe those uh generic advice as much as possible for that i think it really does depend solely on the performer everybody is so different and i sort of let them dictate their personality and their work methods to me first because i approach them and say you know what is your way of working do you like to hear feedback right away do you want to on the weekend get together and sort of go through the script and the and the major beats and the character moments that we're sort of trying to attain what are we can decipher those down offset so you can distill them sort of let them simmer in your body and feel it out and then come to set with those you know backbones in mind but then let go I, on set i just think there's so much more beauty to allowing a performer be present and connect to their partner and feel the material because I think that that is what makes cinema magic. I feel like those moments, the in-between, the connections where sparks fly and you can actually see the thought process of an actor's, you know, feelings through the, you know, the glimpses of their pupils. Those are the things that make feature films stand out and performances stand out. And so ideally the work would be done beforehand and I kind of approach them saying, you know, do you want my help? Do you want, are you open to it? Do you want to know our intentions for each scene? Um, or do you prefer coming to set with your own ideas 
and then we'll zigzag in different ways and try new things. And I love experimenting. I, I love to allow them to fall on their face and take a big risk. And if it doesn't work, we both laugh about it and say, gosh, that take goes in the garbage. Let's try the next one. <laughs> you know, um, I never want them to feel anything but supported, you know, for taking a big risk like that, because it takes a lot to be vulnerable in that way. And I, uh, I love just approaching them in the way that they feel most comfortable. So I definitely ask. <laughs> and you've um, directed some other shows, I believe. I know with a lot of series, you're kind of coming in and maybe mimicking a look. What would you say as you've kind of um, developed your own look from working with different shows? How do you kind of define your style or what's something maybe with this new film wonder you want it to kind of present from a director point of view? I would say like stepping back, I've had this question a lot because they do say, the films have a strong resemblance. I'm obsessed with detail. I am obsessed and in love with lighting and, and allowing color and uh, really enhancing the cinematic experience and, and um, production value and saying innovative things through you know, shadows and, and the way the lights cast. And so I heavily design as much as I can, <laughs> although sometimes things get thrown at the window, but I heavily design my shot list depending on the place we're shooting, um, the time of day, the lighting, or, or, you know, we come up with a plan with my cinematographer to really do bold colors if it's a place that I feel doesn't really give the same vibe that we need for the scene and for, you know, for the, the, the theme of the film. But I'm really big into it. And overall, I think all of my films somehow look a little bit similar. Like there's some sort of, we call it the Wango look. I don't know. Just sort of has this feel. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe in like another decade, somebody can describe it for me. And then I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's definitely my voice. It's still being defined, but I'm excited. There's a through line there. And for Wander, you know, every film has its own approach as well as being kind of like this overall general feel that I have. But with Wander, we really were going for an organic look, something that felt unpolished, raw, hot, burnt out, like the desert and um, confusing in some ways, disorienting in some ways, or ultra dark, or ultra saturated, um, to just give it Arthur's reality, sort of a very hot, burnt out look that was untouched, almost like you would never see our hands all over it, hopefully, even though they were in every detail. And then his inner sort of trauma and the grief and the, and the, the horror of the conspiracy was really heightened with, you know, dramatic lighting and, and sort of like a surreal feel so that it would be pos the possibility of it all happening in his mind and it would feel much more heightened than, it than the real life would. So there was like a very strong contrast between both worlds. You've got a, a great cast, and it's a great story here. What kind of attracted you to this story? What was it about? Was it the psychological aspects? What were some of the things that stood out to you on the page? So my producing partner, Tim Dorn, that I was talking about that we met in theater school, we come up with the concept of our next film together. So five years ago, we were being inspired and thinking like, what is it gonna be? What's our next feature? We kept saying, let's make it simple. Although we failed there, cause it is not simple. But we were like, 88 was so complicated. It was about a fugue state, let's make it simple. But we both um, were in this place, totally two totally different places. Tim had just gone through 
a mental health issue and was dealing with paranoia of government surveillances and, and, and security and uh, conspiracies and paranoia and anxiety and almost to the point where it was paralyzing to go outside and he had those little mantras which we see in the film that Arthur kind of puts on his doors Tim our writer had those and I, and I said Tim like imagine a lead character that was genuinely going through that like let's try to find a way that that just is who he is and we find him in a state of grief and he's also dealing with this paranoia of big brother watching and, and what does that mean and how does he then become this silent warrior who will fight for the light no matter what and will like blow up his own fears because he's fighting for his family and the truth and that was more on my side of things I really loved the idea of bringing some truth into it like you know border control on stolen land and the victims being sort of you know as they are predominantly you know, indigenous um, BIPOC and two-spirited warriors, like they're to sort of have this very important history brought to light and in a different way, sort of as a back, you know, it's in the background of our story, but it's definitely there and, and chip technology and all of that became a lot more relevant <laughs> five years later. Like we didn't know that border control would become such a hot button topic as it has been in the current media and these voices being silenced throughout history we didn't realize that all of this would become you know current so current and we're, we're happy that it's in the current media and it just so happens that wander collided at the kind of the right time um, but at the time those were the themes we were sort of coming up with and then somehow we made you know wander what wander was <laughs> through all those brainstorming themes and ideas did any of the aspects change because of uh, things going on in the world? Any of the original story kind of shift or more of a focus on certain character, you know, things that are related to the headlines? We tried not to change. I mean, we, we, we had an original intention and we really stuck to it. And I think uh, we're proud of that. You know, there was a moment in time where we thought, maybe this is too much for what's happened right now. And in the editing room, you know, we decided to put that card at the front of the film because we really wanted people to know our intentions. And we thought, you know, is this, is the timing right? And, and I think we are, you know, champions of the light and we want to, we want to propel change. And so, and being at this place in our career, which is like, you know, been around and we wanted to say something this time and we, and we didn't want to be silenced out of fear. So we just thought, let's go, let's, let's, let's cannonball into this. <laughs> Tell me a little about your, uh, about your cast. How did like Timely Jones and Aaron Eckhart get involved with the film? Aaron Eckhart read the script very early on, which was a blessing. Um, and he was cast almost a year before we went to camera. And he, he's a conspiracy theorist. He, you know, is completely paranoid. He's always out of the Hollywood eye for good reason. He always said, you know, if you're not paranoid, you should be. And just understood Arthur, the grief of his family and going through that. And then this also, you know, the, the mental health issues, he really resonated with it. He loved the, the polarizing worlds and the challenge of, of, you know, fighting for the light while being completely crippled by your own fear and paranoia. And what happens when you get bumped up against your biggest nightmare? Um, when you're trying to avenge your daughter's death and he just thought like that was fantastic and he believed in the character and every day this man brought 150% to set he is so dedicated as an actor and 
set the bar so high, so creative, so intelligent, and is the biggest game player. Like he, he did his own stunts. He, he blood, sweat, and tears, unbelievable, and really believed in independent cinema. You know, he, he's made a very big turn in his career and wants to be a champion of independent voice and independent cinema. And we worked, you know, hand in hand, we were attached to the hip and it was such an incredible experience with him. And then Tommy Lee Jones came to play very late in the game. We were on the hunt for a Jimmy and could not find the right Jimmy. And we were already in Carrizozo. 90% of our locations were chosen. And the mystery was we didn't have a Jimmy and we were going to camera like in two weeks. And Tommy's um, agent read the script. And then Tommy read the script and he thought it was something he had never done before. You know, this disheveled, kind of, you know, relaxed on the outside at least, open, you know, very chill aviators, Kawaiian's shirt, um, also conspiracy theorist and, you know, love the podcast idea. He just thought he had never done anything like that and could be, it could be a lot of fun. And we flew to, we were already in Carrizozo. We flew to the Beverly Hills Hotel. The writer and I met with him and flew back. And by the time we landed back in Carrizozo and we were driving the long desert drive four hours you know, to get there, we heard that Tommy was in and it was like a huge celebration because it was the last thing we needed to go to camera. And uh, it, was, it was fantastic. I thought their dynamic on screen is so electrifying. Like the ping pong between the two of them Anytime they were on screen together, it was just so entertaining, and I loved every moment at the monitor. I've just got maybe one or two more. Um, yeah. Are there any uh, misconceptions about directing that come to mind, or any any perceptions that have changed over the years as you kind of took a deeper dive into the role? Hmm, this is an interesting question. Misconception. I I think when I'm talking to my grandma, she's like, <laughs> "What does a director do?" Like I think in a funny way sometimes people still don't really know what it is we do and i think usually they think it has to do with actors and uh for me the the job of a director is so much more than just you know dealing with performances it's like everything from set design to the color of the shirt they're wearing to the music behind the scenes to the cuts and the edits and the shots and trying to explain to even my parents, you know, the, the shot of the opening and how I designed the shot. Um, I think there still are misconceptions into what the actual job is. <laughs> Same as producing it. People, it's like kind of like a mystery. Um, whereas like actors are actors. And I, my grandma would be like, you know, why don't you just go on to Oprah? And you know, Tom Cruise got his break that way. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know. Um, it's so funny that I think the role of a director, it has been narrowed down to a possibility of like, maybe it's this, but it's so much more than that. And, and I'm so grateful for that. I go to, I love what I do. And I go to a project with, you know, so much imagination and it's such a joy to be able to see something in your mind and then have it come into reality. And then it's like frozen in time in a frame. I just think that's so fascinating and unbelievable. <laughs> and just uh, last question, any like specific advice you might have for, young directors coming up now that want to get their project made, uh, young women, young men, whatever, but younger people that are trying to get in the industry today, how can they maybe get their film made? I would say create your own content. I think original voice is where you will shine because everybody has something original, their truth inside of them. 
And I would, I'm a big fan of creating your own content. I'm a big fan of taking big risks. Don't kind of lay it safely along the middle. Uh, you'll never get noticed that way. There's so much content. It's incredible. You can make films in your backyard now. So I would say take big risks, love what you do, appreciate it, have so much gratitude and never stop. Don't doubt for a minute. There's going to be nose and door slammed in your face on a daily basis. And then people will destroy the work you've made, but rise above it and just know you're making things for the people and just keep creating every day, create something, whether it's a photograph or a cool outfit, I don't know, or, you know, a poem, just create every day. My advice. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at writerfieldnotes.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.